Hi, I'm James. And I'm Drew. And welcome to Graphic Support Group, a mindful podcast for the design industry and the self, where empathy and the creative cloud meet. Join us as we delve into the mind and soul of graphic design, from PSDs to PTSD. This is Graphic Support Group. From Studio Yukiko, which is a Berlin-based uh, creative studio that is, she partnered with Johannes Conrad to start in 2012, right? And now features uh, Sebastian Milot and Ira Ivanova, and they create sort of mind-bending uh, graphics and all sorts of art direction and creative work for a variety of interesting publications such as flanner and sofa magazine in addition to working with like clients from arts and culture across the board and and even nike um so they're they're really exciting the work is really powerful to me um and i'm really excited to talk about like what's behind it and have michelle here as a literal connection to the work so uh yeah thank you so much yeah, we're really excited to 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 discover the mind behind the mind bending. Yeah. Oh, Very intriguing. We're really excited to have our first European guest as well. Oh really? So just, oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just for our audience, we are juggling three time zones. Yay. Uh, this is James. I'm based in Seoul and Drew is in Brooklyn. But you know, usually it's like kind of literally night and day. Uh, but now we have a middle time zone where we have a lot of questions that we wanted to sort of bring up, but our first, uh-huh. you know, obviously the podcast is sort of designed to be a kind of more psychological, mindful, somewhat spiritual, I guess you could say, Ben. So mm-hmm. I know we wanted to start just by kind of talking about the mindset behind the work uh, and sort of starting in like the style a bit um we were you know juggling Mm -hmm. around a lot of different phrases and things to describe um how we see your work and Mm -hmm. one of the things that I was really taken by was the fact that it kind of seems to zero in on this like visceral reaction to naivete like that moment where you're Mm -hmm. kind of like not sure how to do something and you just like kind of sit with that and like wonder uh what would happen if you didn't know what you were doing uh and i wonder you know there's like a lot of competing hierarchies in the design like very kind of like type typographically it's hard to know what's what's like the the main piece of information and what's like the kind of secondary which i think is really interesting and like (laughs) things are kind of competing for space um and also like uh a kind of amateur mentality that kind of runs through it, which is like really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we were wondering, is is there kind of like a philosophical thinking behind these gestures or like what it is that excites you about design and you, and these kinds of moves? I mean, yeah, I think you described it really well, actually. Um, 
it's really nicely yeah it's really nicely put or well observed um it's there's good questions i mean a lot of them are things that we are discussing all the time in the studio i mean um firstly i should say actually it's it's yeah there's there's me hannes ear and seb i guess we're the kind of the core team but there's also like five others wow. at the moment so um it isn't just us yeah it's uh, we're always growing and shrinking i mean i mean i think us four really are sort of the core soul team um it's i mean when we started it was i guess johannes and i just doing stuff together a little bit like i don't know uh, not aimlessly but um maybe aimlessly <laughs> without a sort of a single goal and um I mean, Seb and Ira have bought in so much and so much of their own style and their own visions. Um, so, yeah, style is is something that we're a bit careful or wary about. I mean, there's definitely like we enjoy so much playing around with shape and form. I mean, that's that's what designers do. I think we really try and bring concept in. I think I think for us, there's there's no point having style and form without concept or without a reason. Um, I mean, about the naivety thing, like, uh, yeah, that is something that, that that sort of that runs through our studio and that we that we play with a lot. I think when we started Flaneur magazine, it was it was we'd never done a magazine before and um, neither had the editors. I mean, they'd sort of worked a little bit on other magazines. But it was their, their first editorial venture proper. Totally. Yeah. And they, they came to us and they're like, guys, like we have this idea. We want to do this magazine. We didn't know each other. Um, are you up for it? <laughs> We're like, yeah, sure. We've never done one before either, so let's go for it, kind of thing. And um, so we, I, there was something about like actually having never worked on a magazine, having absolutely no idea about how to do one. That that I, th I think we did it all wrong. I think we did everything wrong. Like we we just didn't have like these like um, chapters or you know themes or uh, formats that magazines normally have. We um, we sort of um did every story like completely differently and the design was wild like throughout and probably a bit overbearing and um we went really hard on sort of the conceptual side of things and and somehow it resonated with people um so we thought okay <laughs> maybe it's not such a bad thing i think i think people liked it because they didn't really understand it and it and it was so different and, and to be honest with you, it was all those things because I mean, firstly, obviously, we really cared about the subject matter, but but secondly, because we actually had no idea what we were doing. So um, I, th I think we continued that experimental approach with the rest of the Flaneur, Flaneur magazines. And and we just found like um, doing things with maybe like less of an idea of like a final thing, you know, or like, like starting with a really open mind, especially because we go to other people's communities as well that's quite important but just like taking that attitude over to the rest of our work i think actually that's that's sort of what we're trying to dig into is that like if you know to take a horrible you know sports metaphor like if flanor was like the you know rookie luck and you blew it out the park you've actually established this uh reputation and portfolio where like people actually really look to you towards editorial design but um the way we sort of see the work and are processing the work, it's like you're kind of resetting your mindset to each new editorial project 
where it almost seems like you're kind of able to reinvent yourself or just start from scratch in a way. And so I think that's why we were thinking of, we're curious if there's a philosophy behind that, if there, if there's like a shared sense of like, um, newness maybe to each project where you kind of like tell yourself like you know we did it this way this way but like we're not going to make that and turn use that experience to like you know evolve something it's like we're going to create something new where we don't understand this world and start again um so so we're just curious how you kind of keep that energy alive or like is it is it really just like forcing yourself to to think anew yeah, I mean, we don't make it easy for ourselves because we do <laughs> we do really start everything from the beginning and we we hate falling back on like, you know, things that we know that we're good at and and I I but I think we do it because we I don't know. I mean, if you're a passionate designer and you love what you do, you want to keep things exciting, don't you? So you want to keep learning and like and we've always been a bit like maybe a bit cocky like when people come to us and say, "Have you done this before? Can you do this?" We always say, "Sure." <laughs> <laughs> even if we haven't you know mm-hmm. and, then, and then we just kind make of make it till you make it yeah no no really it really is a lot of this I mean I mean before to be honest with you like Johannes and I started making music videos together not doing design because he came from a film background and um I was doing album artwork and you know this is where sort of our interests um connected and I remember the first time we were doing some album artwork for transgressive records and we were in a bar and they were like uh have you guys ever made a music video and I think Johannes just went yep <laughs> sort of <laughs> at him like, you know I mean I know he has experience in film but I'd never done any of that but um, I hope they're not listening um we, we lied um but no from then on I mean like we work now sometimes with advertising agencies or we work you know really in uh, sort of the academic cultural world and really in the pop world and really and and just I'm always up for it like I'm always up for working with new kinds of people or in new sectors because every time you take something away from it even if it's dead boring or really not your style or something I think there's always something that can be learned and what we like doing is kind of mixing these worlds a bit as well so you know bringing a bit of pop into art and bringing some art into pop and and that way you kind of surprise surprise those audiences in a way that you mentioned that that's really exciting to hear actually because that really like dovetails nicely into what we're we're also curious about next is that um and it's also kind of fun to hear that there's a bit of confidence or overconfidence there because i think there what we really appreciate about your work is there is a very interesting take on vernacular culture and in a sense of appropriation that is, is I think it, appropriation would, might be like a slightly uh, unfair word because there is a clear processing of your sources. Um, so, but in that translation, there's a snarkiness and kind of like a uh, dryness that I think I'm, I'm kind of connecting to that sort of overconfidence, like we can just do it and this is just ours and, um, you know, and, and this is how we understand it. But uh, we're interested in, like, if you could talk a little bit behind the intentions of, um, and in terms of, like, recontextualizing or reimagining the vernacular culture that you're talking about. You mentioned sort of bringing pop into art and back and forth and sort of like a high-low culture. Yeah, I mean, we were also, like, throwing the words around, like, it's, like, celebratory, but also investigative. So it's, like, you're, like, celebrating these potentially, like, lower forms of visual culture but also like 
yeah trying to figure out what why they make you feel the things they make you feel yeah i mean i think it's like um I mean, one thing, like talking also about the other guys, like we're such a mix of backgrounds and people. I mean, like Iris from Moscow, Seb is French. We've got like Paloma from uh, uh, Portugal and Berlin from Valencia. And, you know, and like our backgrounds are wildly different. And I think a lot of us bring a lot of home with us, you know. I mean, I come from these like, this really suburban like village <laughs> and my parents and my dad was an illustrator but a technical illustrator they had no style and like you know in the way that we know it and things like this and I remember like having drinks with Ira once and her saying like how much these like huge banners that they always had in Moscow like over the highways like how much that influenced her because it, you know it seemed like she worked for like Strelka Institute a lot and, you know, this kind of stuff is seen as such lowbrow culture or like, you know, this this design that is like public design. It's, it's seen as so bad. But for us, in a way, it's like it was our first um, experience of design, you know, and there is something interesting about that. And that's something that we play with. Like it just like all these rules that you learn in design school, I just feel like they only get you so far. Like, OK, you know how to make like a layout, like you say, where the hierarchy is all correct and things like this. But it misses like it just it doesn't bring an emotional aspect to your work. And I, I don't think it necessarily speaks to audiences either. I think I think choosing what styles you use and where you get those like that inspiration or those ideas, that that's the bit where you start connecting with your audiences, right. you know, because you're 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 using like graphics that, that come with certain um, a certain tonality language or a, a cultural context with them so one I mean one of the to follow up with that like one of the things that comes to mind for me is like um people I I run into this a lot in my work too like people don't like to feel things necessarily that aren't very clear like they want to know what they're seeing Mm -hmm. when they see it immediately and they're not used to because graphic design has become so sort of not homogenous, but like designed to not make you think about what you're looking at when they see things that make them think that it makes them confused, which is potentially alienating. And this is a, this is something that I've heard uh Metahaven be asked as well. Like, how does it, does it feel like, you know, that in your like innate heart, you're trying to connect with people or like open the, the world up, but it also might mm-hmm. alienate people because they're confused. So what do you, how do you kind of play? How do, how does that make you feel when I, cause I, I run into it myself like all the time, like people are just kind of saying like, well, this is just not good or this is, this doesn't look <laughs> right. So why'd you do it? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, we confuse people all the time. Like, but, um, whatever <laughs> no, no that's a terrible answer no I mean I mean we confuse Johannes's father all the time he really comes from like this Bauhaus, Bauhaus architecture school and like he just like I mean he takes one look at sofa and he just doesn't get it and like yeah it's it is um but I mean yeah we're playing with that we're trying to do that sometimes I mean I 
Rest. Rest your eyes. They have seen a lot. From high contrast patterns to pastel color blocks, they have been working hard and they deserve a break. It is important to give them space to breathe, to look beyond the screen and appreciate the natural colors around you. While you are away from the pixels, you'll discover inspiration everywhere you turn and will be ready and rested to bring new color into your work. go back to this word that you mentioned that was this idea of home which actually hearing you explain the diversity in the studio and also the the sense that like everyone brings sort of what they're familiar to the to the to the projects um in a way it explains a lot of the enthusiasm i think behind the styles that you're incorporating i think um so i'm just kind of curious like how um, how that environment works, like being in Berlin, being in this really sort of global place, like how you kind of juggle each other's backgrounds. Like I'm sure it's very respectful, but also I'm sure there's moments where that like I, I don't have any idea where that that is coming from. Even though you guys are close collaborators, like how do you kind of share that within the studio? Share your backgrounds of visual culture. In I mean, I think. I think we're very respectful of of each other's design sensitivities and styles and and like I say like we really try like I mean it's kind of making something stylish or or look good is is for us it's that's like the given that's like we you know we're going to make that happen anyway but but having the sort of foundational idea or the concept is the important thing so it's like you know we don't all have exactly the same style. And if someone does something that is not my personal taste, like I'm really okay with it if they can back it up. Like I'm really okay with it if they have a reason to do it. It's, that's, um, I, I trust, I trust their reasons for it, you know? And if the client's okay with it, that's also fine. That's, that's great. Like, um, we've, we've developed like a really cool way of working over, over this COVID period because, I mean, obviously, before we were all there together in the studio and like, you know, continuously looking over each other's shoulders or just grabbing the mouse off each other and kind of, you know, moving things around. Um, and then you know, when we all had to go home, it was suddenly like, oh, my God, how are we going to do this? Like, you know, we really thrive on this sort of constant exchange and just um, like literally taking over each other's computers. And so we started like working in Google Decks where... So if we start a project, maybe we'll have four people working on it at the beginning. And every day, like everyone's, you know, sketching, sketching, and we throw everything into the Google deck, like everything kind of unfiltered. And these decks are like 500 pages long, you know, and then we sort of like come together all online. I mean, we speak online every morning at 10 o'clock and everyone tells everyone what they're doing. So we we try and keep like a this communal feeling. And um, 
And the nice thing is, is we don't like put them in the deck under our names or anything. We just put them as we go along. So they're completely mixed up, like all the ideas. And we go through and it's just, we sort of all talk about like the things that are jumping out or why, or we say like, you know, who's behind this? Like, <laughs> what were you thinking? Or like, you know, and then and then they'll reason it. And then we'll be like, oh, that's, that's a really interesting idea. Maybe we can explore it differently visually or something. Um, but it's not about like who's done what or it's it's much more about sort of what's right for the project and is it is it is there a good mm. enough reason for this do you think that like i mean so i guess well, another thing i was getting at is like when you have a diverse set of people everyone's kind of speaking in different voices but the kind of collaborative atmosphere that you just described that has transitioned during covid is that there's sort of like everyone has their individual voice, but there's the anonymity allows it to function in a sort of holistic way. Do you think that sort of um, kind of openness was there before and it just sort of happened to translate to Google Slides or Google Decks and... Um... Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a... This openness is, a, is also a tricky thing, you know, because like... Um, I mean, firstly, I firstly, I, th I think we're really good because we work really well as a team because we're really supportive as a team. I I, I also think it's because we're like loads of girls and like a couple of girls. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I think we're like five girls and five female creatives at the moment, like two male ones. Um, so there's a, there's very little ego in the studio, you know. Yeah. Um, and we really like we really like look out for each other when someone's got too much work we're like so happy to take it over and in turn we're so happy to hand our projects over to other people and not worry about them like messing it up and if they do right, we'll right, tell right. them or be like <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, let's go back um but but at the same time it's really important that everyone does have a sense of ownership to to an extent of their work you know and that they do feel like um they you know credit where credit's due so we do I mean we start off like a, with four people at the beginning of a project but you know whoever's kind of I guess like feeling it the most will take it over and, and they'll be the lead or you know responsible for it with maybe two other people supporting so and then on Instagram you know we credit everyone and everyone's allowed to share on all their channels and all the work they've done so that that's really important for me that that um we do things together but but also yeah they they have some ownership so so I, I mean, this may be reading into it a little bit, but like I, I kind of want to stay on this this tangent of like I guess a sense of culture and community within the studio. Um, you know, you're now running almost to ten years of writing your Kiko, and as you said, like the studio has grown and and shrunk. Um, as the sort of founder or one of the, the you know founding partners, like. I mean, it's easy to kind of create the metaphor of a family, but how have you sort of learned to foster that sense of open communication and respect and kind of balancing those relationships, especially in such a diverse settings as a as a Berlin studio, right? Like when we think about a Berlin global design studio, it's like people, as you said, from Eastern Europe to Western Europe to Scandinavia, you know, and probably even from further abroad. Like, um. I mean, I think we've learned a lot from, I mean, actually, like, well, I was going to talk about this in the question that you sent, um, but I don't know, maybe I'll talk about it a bit now, but like, what, like, firstly, one of, one of it was out of necessity, um, 
a couple of years, I have a, or Johannes and I, we, we're also a couple. Um, we have a two going on three-year-old daughter. So um, in the, after, when she was about one, when she was born, basically, I stupidly thought that I was just going to carry on like nothing's changed. <laughs> I really, I really didn't. I don't know. I just didn't prepare myself mentally for it at all. I was like, well, you know, no, it's going to be fine. And um, so I basically spent the first year carrying on like nothing's changed. And um, about a year in, I, I hit a wall. Like I just wasn't sleeping. I was working, you know, every night after she went to bed until one, two, three in the morning. And I had a a huge nervous breakdown and ended up in a psychiatric hospital at midnight. And um, I literally thought I'd gone crazy. And the nurse kind of like looked at me, put her shoulder, her hand on my shoulder and went, you're not crazy, love. You just need some sleep. Right, and at right, right. This moment, it just really took someone from the outside to just say, you need to make some big changes in your life. And, yeah. um, and it was because I, you know, I still had that like, I just couldn't let go of, of being a perfectionist and doing everything myself or as much as I could. And, you know, I, okay, I wasn't doing as much as the actual work myself, but I was like backseat driving, like mm-hmm. hardcore. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I really um, realized I need to give a lot more responsibility away and stop meeting like what I think are other people's expectations. You know, I was, I was worried about leaving the studio early to pick up my daughter from Kita because I thought that the others might have some animosity towards me for leaving them you know wow, things, yeah. really dumb things like this yeah um and at that point I really decided to you know give them like um you know respect them and just trust them and they all flew and they're amazing now and this yeah. is really um and so from that I learned like you know if you give other people if you ask for help and give other people responsibility you know they'll shine mm-hmm. so well, uh, first, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm really sorry you had to go through such a hard, hard time. I, I've also been in similar situations where the work-life balance inter- disrupts the psychological <laughs> balance. Um, yeah. But I, I, that's interesting because, you know, I'm curious also if we take that event as sort of like a, you know, major paradigm shifting event, like was the, I hate to use the word management, was, was your attachment to the studio and particularly the management of the relationships and roles in the studio very different before that, that, that event? Um, yeah, totally. I think so. I think, I think then I was, I was much more uh, some kind of control freak. But um, wow. I'm not at all now. <laughs> so um, no, I really, I really appreciate the like the ideas and the input and what comes from the others. And then this is what makes our work so diverse and interesting. And why it is because you know it's like it's always coming from from someone else. It's always someone else leading it. So it's why it doesn't get boring. Yeah. Can you so can you describe a little bit of those like tangible fruits and output? as you made that change you know like did the work change dramatically or was it more like your attitude towards how the work came together I mean I think amazingly like weirdly like our capacity of work changed like we were able to take a lot more in like you know as soon as you give other people a lot more responsibility (laughs) then you can achieve a lot more and that's that's amazing that's that's 
in a way, like the exact opposite effect of what I was trying to achieve, trying to control everything, you know? Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, that was, that was one big thing. And I mean, another thing is I just can enjoy everything again, massively, yeah. you know, yeah. because I'm so much more relaxed and yeah. so much less worried about like what other people think. I mean, my, my answer earlier, whatever, is like, you know, actually <laughs> that that's one of the outcomes, isn't it? I mean, before yeah. I, you know, like, like you say, it's so like Instagram and all these things that like, you worry so much about what people think, like you have to worry about what your audience thinks, what clients think. What your colleagues think, you know, and uh, what the design world thinks. And um, I just worry so much less mm -hmm. about these things. You know, I'm, I'm like, if I'm happy, if my co-workers are happy, then we're happy. Yeah, I mean, one so. of the things that we keep talking about is, is like this sort of balance that seems to be in the work that's like at the same time that it's potentially I hate using these terms, forgive me, because I would hate to be described this way too, but over-designed <laughs> and under-designed, uh, like the balance of like resolution and like a lack of resolution. And I think that's actually like the most powerful mm -hmm. aspect of the work is that like, it's like sits perfectly between like, mm -hmm. I don't even know if this is finished. I don't even know if it like really was ever started, but it looks <laughs> great. So like, how do you know when to stop or when, it, when you like, like, how do you know when it's good enough? to be done or like when it's bad enough to be not good enough, you know, like this <laughs> kind of. Yeah, that's a really good question. That's we, I mean, we discuss that with everybody. I think it's, that's really funny. That's when I really turned to Ira and Seb because like, and that's a bit where our styles come out a lot as well, because I think, I think Seb, he's a very soulful designer. Like he, he really, he really brings a lot of like, um, emotion and attitude I think um uh into his design and Ira is really she's a, an amazing system designer you know quite a quite an expressive one but um for her it's like especially when we're putting identities together if there's elements in there that don't have a function like literally a function she's like it's superfluous get rid of it and that's really <laughs> interesting to have these two things you know to have like sort of one guy who's really sort of always doing something that's that it just it just feels really good to look at you know but and and I'm really okay with that if it feels good <laughs> I, I really like it an era who's who's often like that's that's just a useless square so interesting because <laughs> I've been following her work for a while and I I would never think yeah. that she would be that way because it seems like a lot of the stuff is like <laughs> not to offend superfluous no 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 like why is there a drop shadow no she on, really like, is everything <laughs> there's a there's a reason for it or they or the you know or or she decides on the elements like the the drop shadows or the shines or the whatever and and she decides that these this is my toolbox and that's it like we're not adding any more now because it's almost like a puritanical or like purist in it's like i'm gonna yeah. use these three wrong tools and that's it <laughs> and that's where, like the kind of joy and like that's where that na naivete shines through because it's like what if i could only use yeah. like gray white and a drop shadow <laughs> yeah. maybe one pop of color like what would happen then no i mean i think i think actually it's it's it i'm curious also because like i think it sounds like the team is now able to kind of control themselves a little bit differently and uh, can kind of dictate whether those lines of finished and unfinished are, are there. But like the team is still there to like 
help kind of find that sanity once like someone's gone overboard or not um but actually that's kind of what i'm i'm curious because there is this sensibility and also i'm i'm starting to understand a little bit more uh in terms of how you describe the studio dynamic and the team is like there is this like balance of like chaos and kind of ugliness in, in some in some sense um and like I don't think it's like so far where like someone will say like is this a mad person making this but like there is that spirit but I think from speaking to you and also like reading some past interviews like you're very you're very logical and rational people and and um and like you've mentioned before like there's a strategic approach there's a strong conceptual by grounding but like um i'm curious also maybe maybe you can speak for yourself more is like is there like an active rebellion in in each project that you're sort of like as drew was saying like uh i could do this properly but i'm gonna use three broken tools to make this you know work um, um yeah yeah um I think there is a little bit of that for sure. I think sort of going through design school and things like this um, makes you want to rebel a little bit. Um, I think a lot of, like, honestly, like what a lot of people call ugly, ugly design, we genuinely enjoy yeah. and like. <laughs> we, we genuinely think it looks good. Like, and I know, and I'm super aware that that's not the. Um, status quo you know and that we have a very different taste um so uh, it's really enjoyable for us when when clients are on board with it and they're also just like do okay, you yeah. do you use <laughs> terms like that yes. to describe things to cl- like because i you know I'm, i hate to keep saying like i run into this myself but like you know i'm off often trying to be like you know mm-hmm. it's kind of like it looks like maybe it could you could see it at like a pharmacy or like these of things where it's like and they're like why they're like this is an art studio like why why are you making it look like a pharmacy but i'm just like excited by it i'm like it looks like a pharmacy receipt like is that how you use (laughs) like you use those kind of that context to describe things Um, to your clients or i I don't think we'd ever describe it to a client like that uh or maybe it depends who the client is. I mean, should we talk about sofa? I feel like <laughs> creeping into this territory. Um, I mean, we, like, yeah, this is a bit. I someone walked up into up to us into a bar once and went, um, "I really love what you do with Flannel Magazine, but sofa is just so ugly." And you were like, "Awesome, <laughs> best compliment ever." <laughs> no, you get it. You get just it. Just get rid of the exactly butt, what though. We <laughs> to be honest with you my heart genuinely sank like like oh. like genuinely i i know of course like i know it is like i really do and, and that is that is what we are going for like the, our goal is not to make this beautiful or nice design like our goal is absolutely to mash up a load of like cultural um uh like, not stereotypes yes. but like uh yeah, signifiers, languages, you know, things things that we happen upon. And um but yeah, hearing you know, hearing someone say that to your face is hard. It's like totally, yeah. um but and I, I think also because yeah, I don't I don't really like the word ugly design because yeah it is, but that that's like a, that's a side effect yeah. in a way. That's it's also a huge judgment call, I think, also. 
and you want a reaction i'm i'm imagining and so like they all you know people always say like it's like hate or love are like the two ends of the spectrum but you want one of those you don't want anything in the middle of it uh like so people hating it is like yeah. actually great because that means they have a reaction <laughs> a lot of the times like if you're like when yeah. i work yeah. with some people and they're like this makes me feel really uncomfortable or like this is i really don't like this and i'm like you're feeling something that's cool don't you want to feel <laughs> yeah. something you know that's and I think a lot of it is like, I mean, so for like, I mean, we call it like cultural therapy. Like a lot of it is like processing, I don't know, like stuff from our teenagers, you know, all these influences and inspirations we had then are like resurfacing a bit. And maybe it's like a therapy of us kind of dealing with those, um, dealing with those, I don't know, uh, genres, I guess. That's a really great way of putting it. Yeah. I really like, 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 I really like, that term cultural therapy because it's sort of like you know every once in a while like this is a little guilty pleasure but every once in a while i'll put on blink 182 and just like die like i I just like fall back into like that teenage energy i have but like there's also a need for like i'll take i'll come out of that k-hole that is like sweet you know pop punk and then have to kind of like rationalize like why did i like that at the time why do I why does it still trigger me in this way and like it seems like there's also like a positive perspective on like how can we take that passion and energy and recontextualize it um and and that that explains the enthusiasm that I I see in the work especially in like examples like sofa and um uh where it's like there's commenting on these vernacular cultures or these cultures from a very specific time like it's very close to my generation um but i'm i'm curious like the motivations on 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 sort of using that that not heritage but that background and like uh sticking to it or like as you said like mashing up the different cultures and and backgrounds and i'm curious like what like what what is your intention behind sharing that like I think it's, I think it's really like, um, so I mean, like maybe like a phrase we have at the studio a lot is, um, it's not wrong, you know, because we can't quite say yet it's right, but Mm. (laughs) it's not wrong, you know, there's something in it. And I think in a sense, like that's a good thing or you're like saying, oh, it's not wrong enough. Like we need to like find more. No, as in like, if someone does something and you're not sure how to, you know, like understand it or like what to do with it or you know do we run with this like what how do we you know it's it's a do risky like what's going on here um maybe that that reaction you were describing from our audience (laughs) um so yeah that that idea of like well it's not wrong but like what is it um I mean I uh, like okay so projects like Sofa and Flanair we do as very much for ourselves I mean that we're, we're doing these with like our best friends and so we don't have the we don't have to answer to a client in a traditional sense. Um, so it is a lot. We do this. So it, it is that therapy for ourselves, that design therapy. Like it's the place where we get to do a lot of things that are wrong, I guess, mm-hmm. and kind of get the demons out of our system before we go back to client work, <laughs> where we're not allowed um, so much. It's also just like I mean. I don't know. I'm I'm half Japanese. I spent a lot of time in Japan. I mean, hence hence the name Yukiko. And I I just 
I have such a warmth towards a lot of the aesthetic and you know I have I have a real deep need to put that somewhere so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it comes out in our own project sometimes you know this yeah. like this sort of cute Asian aesthetic like just because I just I want to work with it you know yeah. and I think that's that's it's the same for the other guys in the studio you know they they have their own they have their own kind of like aesthetic or design needs that they need to put somewhere and have fun with and and play with and I mean so for like it does you know it does interviews with like 16 year olds but also like Harvard professors and their whole aim is like taking a subject and trying to look at it from all angles you know and um and I guess we're trying to reflect that a little bit in the visual, like, okay, so we're taking culture that might be perceived as wrong from a design perspective, but like we're saying it's not wrong necessarily, you know, we're sort of allowing it to live within a a design world. Do you think that there's like a sort of commentary inherent in that, that like, I always think about this, that like these tools make the same stuff, like the thing that's on the supermarket wall is made with the same exact tools as the thing that's in like a MoMA or the Met or like, you know, uh, German, I don't know all the German (laughs) galleries (laughs) or bargain, bargain, like signage or whatever. It's all made by the same like things. Yeah. Uh, So maybe it's like some, there's something there about like, just kind of like pulling back the curtain on that. Yeah, totally. Definitely. It is. And I mean, I don't know. I've, I can't, and you know, I, I love the supermarket aesthetic. I go there with like, I really, I go to all these places with like, with, with awe. Maybe it's like, maybe it's a curiosity of like, who's this for really? And, and who's making this? But it's never like, oh, that's awful. You know, it's, it's mm. for me, it's much more like, what does it do? Okay. You know, what does it, like, can I use these tools as well? Maybe it will do something if I give it to a different audience. What's it going to do there? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I often, like, point out to myself is, like, that is, like, so uh, wrong in a certain sense, but it's, like, also the best solution because it's, like, (laughs) working perfectly. It's, like, the type literally fills the space of the sign and there's no room for anything else. And I read it clearly, like, that's how it should be. I I, I like, I really like the band Animal Collective and one of the ways that I describe them is, like, if you gave like somebody things that were just didn't work and they had to come up with like like ha- like write a pop song with a broken keyboard <laughs> um a program on your computer that like keeps like cutting out at like the most important moment and like this microphone with like way too much reverb on it and like yeah. that's the pop music that they make they're not trying to make something bad they're trying to make yeah. something good with bad <laughs> tools but they've given themselves those tools so i feel like there's a kind of I feel like that mentality, like I see that in the work as well. support now? We love hearing from the design community. Call us at 
507-907-9158. Please share your story with us after the tone. We'll do our best to respond on our podcast. Please leave a name or alias, design role, and location. Thank you for your call. terms of that that need or that desire to express the visual cultures that you feel that you love and you and, and, um, and I want, kind of want to connect that to some of the editorial projects that we do like including Sofa and Flaneur where in some ways of course you're not the on the editorial side as much but on the, from the design perspective like you are in some ways having to represent or kind of speak for communities that are kind of outside of your own right um, um, and just like how that how that process has been like I know I'm struggling to find the exact project but there's like one magazine project that's like specifically aimed at like Gen Z but um, it's like you know much younger people than, than you are but like how do you connect to that audience how do you sort of like take what you think that is important for that audience and sort of communicate i mean in terms of i mean that that one is very much so for i think um in terms of that one it's it's a lot of um listening to the editors i mean they're really doing their research they think for the first issue they had a 16 year old guest editor and so she invited like all of her friends to sort of open the conversation um and um so that was a oh, and then we our cover girl we street casted a really sweet girl called Julia, and um, but sort of in the casting meeting, loads of just like teenagers of the street in a way, um, and chatting to them a lot, you know, that was that was a really interesting experience. And then for the masculinities issue, for example, like, um, the editors decided to hire like a little like castle next to a big castle and they invited like 30 people for a long weekend um or like guys who sort of identify as masculinities plus somewhere and um we just had like three days of conversations like kind of like moderated a little bit and that would set the theme then for the magazine or like the Um, or the main themes so that was really nice way to sort of you know just spend a weekend getting into the minds of men in fact, um, so there is like a, a really close connection to the, the the subject and the editorial process. Yeah, I think I think there has to be. I mean, I mean, Flaneur, this this is a, like a really difficult one because this is like every issue is one street in the world. Um, and I mean, we've been to uh, we actually met Ira in Moscow doing it, Miss Moscow doing it. So, wow. um, but we've been to like Sao Paulo, obviously Berlin and Leipzig and Montreal and Athens, Rome. And um, I mean, at the beginning, we um, when we were learning how to make a magazine, like we were really like, oh, this is a designer's dream. We're going to make it. And it's going to be a beautiful series and everyone's going to have a house style and look the same and 
I think by the time we got to Moscow, we were like, that's that's impossible. You can't walk into a one street and, you know, someone's neighborhood and make it look, make Moscow look the same as Sao Paulo. Like, no way. Right. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of that is the editor's job because they are the ones who are really curating, like, the contributors. I mean, we're doing a lot of the visual contributors, but um, it's definitely about finding a very um, good balance of who contributes and being really aware of that so that you are getting... Um, enough different voices in and enough diversity in mm-hmm. um, and also it's about going there and being on the ground I mean when we did Taipei Johannes and I went uh, with the editors for two weeks and then sort of to research Taipei and help find the street and then later we sent Seb when the street was found and the, the themes were coming out we sent Seb back for another two weeks to do sort of light visual research and meet some of the artists and things like this so um, I mean, it is very expressive, the design, but I, but a lot of that comes from the fact that I just don't feel like we can just sort of box it into sort of Western design frameworks as well. But um, a lot of it is just an absolute sort of joy of the experiences that we had and sort of wanting to celebrate that a lot. Um, so it's difficult. But I mean, like next week, we're all going to France together, the seven of us team, staying in a wow. big house. So it's really, we're like a little band. <laughs> um, travels, you know, goes on tour. I'm so yeah, jealous. That's a, I'm so yeah, jealous. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that, that being also just being that close to the editorial process, like I think that the hearing that process like is very reassuring to me because I feel like my suspicion or my worry was that like you're having to like sit in the studio and have to reinterpret or like understand the communities or groups from afar. But, um, you know, which oftentimes I think unfairly designers are put in that position, especially, you know, when we're working on projects that are a a bit more mass communication oriented, Mm -hmm. which is really like on, yeah, it's, it's a shame to have to um, limit our communication and understanding in that way to hear that you guys are like really down in the roots and on the street is, is, is super awesome yeah yeah what do you i mean what do you think this is the secret to having a kind of positive supportive uh relationship with your team and how do you kind of check in even to make sure if it's like you know some people probably have a delusional sense like oh yeah my team loves me and we you know, like, <laughs> how do you uh how do you make sure that it's True. I'm not saying you're you're, in, but like yeah, how do you check in? Like you know, if you're, like you're, you, the we all tell ourselves narratives, right? That we yeah. want to believe, and then yeah. there's like the other one that's like, you got you have to wrestle with those doubts also. So like yeah, you know what? I'm curious about that a bit, maybe. Like, I mean, with the Flanetti, we've actually been through some therapy together. Like I mean, not not official, but like we we had like there were some points where we really like. You know, around the end of issue two, where the whole thing nearly fell apart, you know, because um, maybe we didn't know each other so well and we all had different expectations and things like this. Um, and then um, I remember this guy, Kevin Braddock, who's like, uh, he was an editor in chief of a couple of other magazines, really sat us down in a circle and was like, we're all going to talk about our needs now, like, you know, <laughs> one by one. And went around. And since then, we've had a very, very good, like, very open way of talking. and. You know, it's not just me who's had a nervous breakdown. I think we've all individually had our moments where we, you know, something in our personal lives is going on and we're just not able to come with full full energy. And 
we're very open about where we are in our lives and what we can and can't manage. And, and I hope it's the same in the studio. I mean, I'm, I don't know if the other guys know how much time I spend like awake at night worrying about if they're okay, you know, <laughs> like, are they, are they being fulfilled? Are they working on the right kinds of things? Have they been doing too much commercial stuff? Are they getting paid enough? All of this. Um, but we sit them down and ask them those questions directly quite often. And Oh, that's so, amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what more can you do? If it makes you feel any better, I might describe my entire life as a nervous <laughs> breakdown. So uh... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> See, this is why it's this... ongoing. No, it's this ongoing. is why I thought this podcast was so cute. I actually thought all graphic designers need them um, need to share, don't they? Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons why we really wanted to do this is because there is so much like unspoken of psychological trauma going on in these worlds because totally. it's all about presentation and it's all about perfectionism yeah. and it's all about having the answers because yeah. there's a mystique around it. There's a mystique around how to the creative the creative mind and what that brings. Also, there's yeah. a, there's like an ambiguity to the value of it. So it's like, well, why am I paying this? person blah amount of money to like throw around a bunch of crappy fonts and like make weird colors (laughs) like and then you have to reckon reckon with that like for on your end like it's like well what is my value if i'm just like (laughs) making things wrong like there's that kind of (laughs) as as my mic drops yeah um so yeah i mean yeah that and i think drew you bring up a really important point about like the mystique being incredibly damaging i think to even like I teach, so like I, I you know, I'm constantly interfacing with young young people who are dreaming of becoming designers. But like I'm kind of glad. I think the 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 perception and the image of the designer is shifting a little bit more now as it becomes more of a you know known profession and widely practiced profession. But like I remember even for me, like as an undergrad, like that was super damaging to to have to live up to this like false western expectation of like this pristine designer i I think you know talking about it and like unpacking it and being and also making more models available for people to know that practice is practice Mm -hmm. is diverse like this i think it's super important i I also think like oh sorry no I was gonna say like I think also like I mean I would never be so egotistical as to call myself an artist because I'm not but like I think like all designers have a bit of artist in them somewhere you know but we're kind of like in this business framework or (laughs) which isn't actually like that's I mean maybe for some designers it's not but like for a lot of us it's that's not natural you know but we we have to deal with a lot of business and client but what really what we want to do is just like just make really cool things and and sort of reconciling these two worlds is is a struggle you know i think that's where the humor kind of comes through it's like well this is really funny this whole (laughs) thing is like kind of funny and you know there's a lot of kind of like posturing that has to happen Mm -hmm. for it to work Mm -hmm. because you can't just come in and be like yeah like look at my computer there's a lot of crazy stuff going on there you want to give me money (laughs) like uh and i think that 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 kind of like those like role that like shape shifting or code switching or kind of role playing is like really funny yeah absolutely Um, yeah so i think that comes through also in in the work and i think that talking about the humor is important for the practice 
Absolutely. Um, I mean, you just, I don't know, it's, it's, you can't take it all too seriously, can you? Because that will just, um, you'll, go, you'll go mad like I did. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. Another thing we like to do on the podcast is come up with a mantra for the episode. Um, I have one, but I'd love to hear your, both of yours idea on a mantra. Oh my god! Oh, can you can you go first? I was, th- okay, I was sure. thinking one. Do you want me yeah. to go first so you don't have to? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, feel I was, like think, I was thinking. I was thinking like, like sp- spread, spread it out. Like, like don't like kind of not spread the wealth. I don't. Mm-hmm. That was what came to mind. But like spread the load like spread the burden like just kind of like let it all share the burden share the burden and like miss and uh share the joy also like share share everything yeah that's a good one that's a really good one mine was actually pretty similar uh mine was share what you love uh just kind of getting at that you know that enthusiasm for you know what you consider beautiful, I think. Yeah. yeah. Can I? Can I just take it's not wrong, like. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Oh, it's not wrong. It's if, not you, wrong. if you've got a good enough reason for it, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Right. It definitely yeah. isn't wrong, unless yeah. it is. Unless it is. <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing like all of this with us. It's so yeah, awesome. Thank and you obviously again. we've talked thank a bit you. online and stuff. Yeah. So it's it felt good. Felt really yeah, good. we really appreciate your honesty and, and vulnerability as well. And but really appreciate that. Yeah, Thanks thank you listening. so much. <laughs>